This is episode 349 of the AMPM podcast. This week, my guest is Fernando Campos. He's an OG when it comes to selling on Amazon. Been doing it since around 2014. He's grown a company to eight figures and exited it. He's grown uh, on his way to growing a company to nine figures now. He's also grown a software company in the space and sold it. Just a super, super smart guy. And the way they're doing things on this on this way to nine figures is not what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is focusing on creating brands and avatars and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what they're doing. And he's pretty confident that he's going to be able to hit nine figures doing it a slightly different way. He'll talk about that and more. And don't forget this summer, I'm debuting the Billion Dollar Sellers newsletter. It's 100% free for listeners of this podcast. So be sure to go to BillionDollarSellers.com and put in your email address and name to get on the beta list so you can be one of the first to get this brand new newsletter. It's going to be chock full of advice and tips and strategies and hacks for e-com and Amazon sellers. BillionDollarSellers.com. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Fernando Campos, welcome to the AMPM podcast. How you doing, man? Good, Kevin. It's uh, great to, uh, to see you. It's been a long time. It has been. We were just talking uh, before we started that uh, it's been like, at least four years, I guess, since we, we saw each other at uh, an event. But I think we've known each other a little bit, uh, or at least known of each other a little bit longer than that. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been too long, for sure. But yeah, it's nice to see your face. Now you, when did you actually get into this whole e-commerce game? I, I know you've been in it since, since I have, pretty much. So at least 2015, or did you start before that? Uh, we started in 2014, actually. Towards the end of 2014 is when our um, when we actually got into Amazon. And it was like three of you that were partners or something, right? Uh, so the actual our physical products business was just Nick and I, but and then I think what I guess what built more of like I guess our identity within this space was when we did seller tradecraft with Anthony, um, and then so we were partners specifically in seller tradecraft, and then kind of pivoted that or kind of leveraged that audience specifically to help us grow pixel five and so what was seller seller tradecraft was training right exactly yeah it was like uh kind of started like with a bigger facebook group and then we kind of built out the youtube channel as well so it was kind of a, a community and then we started uh kind of marketing a course which did pretty well actually we were pretty excited about it uh, but when we kind of got the opportunity to start Pixelfy and partner with Leo Lemon, we we realized like the bigger opportunity was to um, yeah to build the SaaS product, and so we kind of diverted most of our like resources and effort towards that. So you kind of just wound down the uh, seller trade craft and focus it more on the uh, the SaaS product. Yeah, I mean we still were pretty engaged with the seller trade craft community for a long time um, to kind of help kickstart Pixelfy and, and drive a lot of the awareness specifically for Pixelfy. But we stopped actively promoting the course and try and then naturally just kind of uh, I think one of one replaced the other in terms of like our effort and focus for sure. 
that software came out of a need that you saw in your own business because you guys were doing eight figures, right? And, yeah, and, we were well into the eight figures at the time. And and so you saw a need when you're launching products and stuff where some some things in it's called deep linking, I believe, um, mm-hmm. just weren't registering or weren't working right when you'd be on a mobile device and go into an app or something like that. That was part of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the time, well, you were allowed to do super, or I guess it was uh, not necessarily you were allowed, but people were using super URLs uh, pretty consistently. And, uh, and so I think there was just always questions around what's the best super URL. And so I think what Pixelfy did really well was it made it extremely easy uh, to create a new super URL, but then also allow you to pixel your audience. Which was so you could put like a Facebook and a Google Pixel together, uh, and and so that you could retarget them on those exactly yeah those channels yeah which was huge and then it, it was also coinciding with kind of like the rise of ManyChat and so I think that was also huge at the time in terms of people trying to figure out chatbots so and then um, you know again having like the deep links like you were mentioning earlier where it would natively open let's say the amazon app was really helpful so that if you're having a conversation with someone through messenger then instead of them clicking on a link and then having to go to the browser and log into amazon which is obviously going to create a lot of friction then a deep link would automatically open the amazon app natively uh on your iphone which makes it a much better you know uh customer like I guess, flow. And so that was like a lot of what we were um, like well known for at the time. Yeah. And that, that's a problem that still exists today with Amazon. Amazon does Amazon attribute, the attribution mm-hmm. or, you know, the brand, and they'll give you that 10% bonus. You know, if you, if the, you put some certain tags and link it over to your storefront or whatever, but that stuff, people are complaining. It's not accurate. And a lot of times it doesn't work on mobile because there's no deep linking on totally. it. So, yeah. so a lot of people are like, I'm only getting half of the, sales I should be, you know, maybe I'm just better off just being an associate, an affiliate, uh, and take a commission <laughs> off of, off of everything, uh, that's put into the cart rather than just the 10% off of my stuff. And because I'm missing half of it already. And it's right. a valid, a valued argument. I know some people that tested that and they said, yeah, f- to heck with attribution, I'm, I'm just going to be, uh, an affiliate. Uh, and you know, if someone adds my product to their cart, um, and I'm attribution, I get that 10%, that's nice, but at the same time, if they also go and buy a TV, uh, I don't get any piece of that, um, mm-hmm. versus if I'm an associate, or Amazon calls affiliates associates, if I'm that, I get a piece of that. And so and they did the math, and they're like, we can actually make more money by not being in attribution than, we, crazy. than if we are doing the affiliate stuff, and so they quit. Uh, now, Amazon, that may change, if Amazon fixes the, the issue with like the deep linking, Mm-hmm. Maybe those numbers will change, but yeah, that's, that's one of the, the problems right now, but that's, that's cool how you guys were able to, uh, to solve that. So how did you actually get drawn into this e-commerce business back in 2014? Did you just see a webinar somewhere or, uh, and say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a jump on this or what, what brought you into it? So my business partner and I came from tech and so, uh, we'd both done well. Like, I, you know, I was employee number two uh, and then the head of sales at like a, a Y Combinator backed company back then. And so I got basically paid to learn how to start a business, you know, everything from hiring salespeople to account managers, like helping with marketing, um, customer success, all that kind of stuff. And so I think being there that early uh, basically gave me the confidence of like, OK, I can start 
uh, start a business for sure. And then, you know, Nick was one of my best friends. We, uh, we had worked together prior. And so we, we knew that we wanted to go into e-commerce because a lot of our closest friends had done well, whether it was on Kickstarter or on their own e-commerce platforms. And we knew kind of as business guys that we would do better in e-commerce than we would in tech, not being technical, not being able to, de- um, to develop software. And so we knew that overall we were going to be in e-commerce for like for the next kind of company that we build. And then, um, and then truthfully, we kind of messed around with like a, a, our own Shopify website for about five months. Uh, but oh, we, really? You tried to develop your own type of uh, yeah. website to actually be yeah. your own marketplace kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of our own oh. retailer, you know, kind of buying products at wholesale um, and then, and then reselling them like through, uh, through our own platform, which was okay. Um, you know, we, we grew our users really quickly. I think we were growing like, I don't know, five to 10% week over week. Uh, but when we, when we modeled out our numbers, we just realized like, oh man, to going back to making like, I think a hundred grand a year, which we were making more than that at the time, like prior to quitting, but like just going back to that, like kind of minimum, I guess, quality of life, it was going to take 18 months. And then I was like, I'm going to run out of money way faster than that. And so we kind of put the, the passion project kind of on pause and we're like, okay, we just need to make money. And so we had heard of a lot of people making money, like buying and selling on eBay, uh, which is kind of funny now and like in hindsight, you know, and there's like Terra Peak and you just kind of hear of people doing well there. Mm-hmm. But and then so we started researching that model. And then, you know, as we kind of um, we're starting to research it a little bit more, like we get an Amazon package at uh, my business partner's place and then he brings it inside and we just kind of like look at each other. It's like, wait, why are we going to sell on eBay if we buy everything on Amazon? It's like clearly where everything is moving. And then, so at the time we were like, I don't even know if you can sell on Amazon truthfully. Um, and yeah, basically we kind of Googled around, um, found like, you know, there was like the amazing selling machine at the time. Um, and like, while we didn't like take the, the course, we ended up, uh, kind of watching a lot of like YouTube and then hiring a coach specifically in the early days, uh, that really helped us kind of get started in the space, but that's kind of how we fell into Amazon. And that, that evolved over a number of years into eight figures, or you guys were pushing nine figures? Uh, we've hit n- cumulatively nine figures, uh, well into the nine figures, but like annually, uh, we've never hit nine figures yet. Uh, soon, hopefully soon. Now you're still running that business, right? Or have you sold part of it? So we sold a lot of our home and kitchen brands back in 2020. And then we also sold Pixelfy in 2021. Uh, so we've exited those two. And then now we're building more of a portfolio of supplement brands. And then we also have uh, the agency, Marketplace Ops. So even after selling those two, you're still on pace to hit with what's left, hit nine figures. Uh, so we actually sold pretty much everything back then and then restarted it. And then, yeah. Oh, okay. We were, so you, yeah. you took a whole exit and then it's like, all right, let's, now we know what we're doing. Start fresh. We've got some good capital behind us. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry, we kept a little bit. We kept like a, a, a small piece, but, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we've rebuilt, uh, yeah, the, the supplements portfolio. So it's a little bit more, um, cohesive versus before we were in all these different categories. Uh, and then, yeah, now we're. We're we're uh, we're still we still have a long ways away to get to to nine figures, but we're yeah we're definitely into the eight figures, um, and yeah that's what we're building towards. 
So, and the, the home and kitchen brands that you sold, did you, were those to aggregators or strategic buyers or who did you? Uh, uh, aggregators. Yep. Aggregators. Mm-hmm. How are those brands? Have you checked in on them? How are they doing now? They've done really well. You know, I think we were really focused on just the U.S. market where they had the capital to expand to other international markets. And so I think they've done well. It was, it was a great product line. It had great reviews uh, and like and great margins, truthfully. Uh, and so they were able to do really well with just more um, time and attention. Thankfully, we didn't build one of those brands that kind of like, I don't know, plummets by 50% overnight. Uh, and so, yeah, I think with kind of with global reviews and everything, they were able to do really well. So was that that brand, was it a, like a, like, did y'all put a lot of effort into the branding or was it just more like, let's just find some stuff in home and kitchen that sells and then we can dominate on? Yeah, good question. It was more the latter. Yeah, so we... We, so it was more of a hodgepodge of products rather mm-hmm, than a exactly. true like branding effort. Yeah, I would say we're not the necessarily the best at like creating like a true like omni-channel brand yet. It's something that we definitely want to focus on. I think, uh, but yeah, I think as of right now, we're definitely like experts on Amazon, and so I think when I think about it, you're you kind of two primary goals, right? As like a as a e-commerce brand, it's one is your increase and i didn't make this up i actually just learned this from like a a ypo buddy the other day but uh that was really insightful it's like you know you have two kind of goals as a ceo right you have one to increase your cash flow and number two is to build a moat and there's very few things especially when you're in the early stages that are doing both because naturally like you're kind of investing in your cash flow in the short term to build your moat for the long term if that makes sense and so Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're at the point right now where we're starting to like divert more resources towards like that, like long-term moat. But I would say like 80, 90% of our effort is really just focused on increasing that cash flow. Uh, and so that's typically what we've done and just kind of how we think about things. So with the supplement brand, you're still just focusing, you're saying you're still just focusing more on the cash flow than actually truly bringing it into a, someone, an avatar or a lifestyle or something like that. Yeah, I think as of right now, but I, we do have the advantage that we have like multiple brands. And so some kind of make more sense to, to build like a buyer persona around and create community and try to get to like the, you know, thousand true fans, things like that. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I would say all of them right now are like more Amazon native brands, I would say. So why did you go into, after selling, why did you go into supplements? That's one of the most difficult, hardest cutthroat <laughs> Uh, categorize huge margins on paper. Um, you know, mm-hmm. buy buy a bottle of uh, something for a buck or two and sell it for thirty or forty. Uh, but by the time you add in a fifty dollar PPC uh, cost uh, yeah. on each one, I mean, yeah, you can make it if the people stick with it or buying it every month. I guess lifetime value. But what what made you guys to say, you know what, to hell with it. We're going to go in here and we're going to compete where uh, all the nasty guys are. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can be nasty. I think you're totally right. I think, you know, I think there's certain categories that are worse than others for sure. Like, you know, I, I think always like the CBD category, the, the keto testosterone boosters, those have always been really notorious. And so those aren't really the ones that will like play in. Uh, but I think, what it came down to is we really liked the consumables idea just naturally uh, because you have repeat purchases, you have more predictability. 
And then, yeah, like you said, supplements have great margins. So that was a big piece. Uh, but then there's also, we had like really cool ideas of how to differentiate. We, we like the, uh, the, like the repeat order, like frequency where some products, you know, maybe in consumables might get ordered once every four months, every six months, maybe even every nine months, uh, where supplements, we saw that based on the data that we have, it's actually reordered a little bit more frequently. And so we were pretty excited about all those kind of pieces. And so that's kind of why we moved into it. So when you're launching a new supplement, how do you forecast that? If you're, if you're launching a new supplement, uh, I'm just saying as a testosterone booster, I know that's not what you're doing necessarily, right. but let's say it was, you're like, I'm going to go into this field. I think I've got good margins here. I've got a good product. It's made in the USA or, or, or whatever with uh, all natural ingredients and all that kind of good stuff. And I go into it and I see the cost and I know I'm not going to make any money on this initial sale on Amazon. The only way I'm going to make money is on future buys, but I'm not sure how often people are going to buy this. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I don't know if my product is better than anybody else's or what if other competition comes in and undercuts me and people switch because it's the same ingredients. How do you forecast that out to know this is a good risk or this is a good, we should, we should give this a shot or do you just give it a shot and roll the dice and cut what doesn't work? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. I think it's actually really similar in a sense to launching a home and kitchen product or any like kind of one-time purchase product that you would typically buy from China. Um, you know, you might start with whatever, 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 units, just depending on your size and how big you're going into the product. Uh, but I, I would say, yeah, in terms of like forecasting, which, which is a great question. I mean, we're just looking at the daily sales rate and how that's changing over time. And, and so naturally, like as the product becomes more and more mature, then, you know, subscribe and save is helping you kind of stabilize like or increasing your floor in terms of sales right because you have more and more subscribers ideally as long as you're delivering a good product and so i actually do think it helps a lot with um, predictability in the long term obviously but in the short term when you're trying to figure out that initial order it's pretty much the same thing as if you're ordering a product from china are you selling these just on amazon do you also sell them on your own website where you can maybe get the lead off of Amazon, use that as the lead gen, and then send them over to your Shopify to, for all the recurring to where you don't have to pay all those Amazon commissions and everything. Yeah. We're really trying to focus better than we have in the past. Uh, but yeah, really trying to focus on the channels that we're best at. And so we don't really do any like off Amazon, like channels not even walmart which i know would be like the easiest next step don't do shopify don't do amazon or sorry we don't do uh, shopify we don't do walmart and we're really just focused on um on scaling our amazon strategy right now or like presence and then we'll probably build out like a more specific d2c team eventually um with that kind of increased cash flow but then again uh helping us build that moat for the long term is this you and Nick again on this one? Mm-hmm. Yep. So are you looking, are you trying to build this to sell it? Or are you, are just this, are you building this to, uh, supp- to support a lifestyle and you've invested and uh, put away all the money from your exits or what, what's the goal here on this one? Yeah, it's a good question. Or you just want to make a difference in people's lives and give them the best health they could possibly have. What's your, what's your, uh, what's your goal? You know, I think 
we don't really have any intention of selling right now. I think we are really focused on building like a great company. I mean, we've had a lot of the same team members like kind of throughout the exits, which is really cool. Uh, we've worked together for a long time and, and truthfully, it's just like a, like a sports team, right? We just get better and better at working together, like working through problems. My relationship with Nick is like stronger than ever, but then also with a lot of the people that have worked with us for five plus years, going some, some going on six now, which is really cool. And so I think, yeah, there's nothing really that either of us are that excited to go sell and go work on something else. We don't have that next like project truthfully. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the motivation now comes from, um, from taking care of the team, like creating a better lifestyle for them, I think, um, helping them hit like, you know, kind of financial milestones or, you know, helping them like buy their first homes, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think also for our customers, like, yeah, I think like this is like the best way that we know how to like uh, create change, I think in terms of like healthy habits and, you know, can we create better content around that, create better products. And so I I think all of that is really kind of what drives us at least right now. I think there's a lot of uh, truth and validity. What you're saying, double down on what you know, you say, and you're an expert on Amazon. That's what, you know, we're not going to go try to figure out Walmart right now, shop of right now, because if we take those same resources and that same time of our people and yourself and put that to Amazon, we can get more value squeezing Amazon than we can going over to Shopify or Walmart, which is a valid, re, a, a very valid concern and a reason why a lot of people maybe shouldn't be trying to spread themselves too thin. But on the flip side of that, people say you have all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. If Amazon gets gets uh, uh, finicky with you, um, you're down and you have nothing else to go to. But I always say. That nothing else to go to. If you are on Shopify or Walmart, that's not much to go to in most cases. <laughs> um, so it's not like, uh, you know, you might instead of laying off 100 people, you might lay off 90 um, right. if you're on Walmart or Shopify. But what do you see it's different now versus when you started? How has this Amazon game evolved over the last nine years since you started? Oh, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's nine day, right? I think, yeah. Ultimately, when we you know, when we started back in you know, 2014, 2015, basically anybody with a pulse could probably do pretty well. <laughs> I think uh, you know, the, the bar was pretty low. Uh, and then I would just say it just gets more and more competitive, but the opportunity also becomes bigger over time. And so you don't need to have whatever 30% market share over a category, maybe 10% is bigger today just because like Amazon is so much bigger. Uh, and I would just say that just like, I think the stuff that kind of worked back then obviously doesn't work as nearly as much now. Obviously you can't buy reviews. You can't, uh, do superheroes. You can't do nearly as much like gray hat tactics. And so you have to like, it's now way more important than ever to find a balance between, yeah, again, like optimizing for cash flow and building that like long term moat, um, and then figuring out how do you, um, yeah, how do you build teams? How do you like build like a, a strong brand identity? Identity? How do you, um, yeah, yeah? How do you navigate this more challenging and competitive landscape of Amazon for sure? Well, people always are asking what, and when they when they see sellers like yourself, they're they're just uh, crushing it. 
And like, what's working today when it comes to launching a product and getting reviews? I mean, like you said, a lot of the things of the past you can't do anymore. What are you seeing that's, that's working? Is it just sell more and just play the odds game that uh, 2% of the people are going to review? Or is it, um, and when it comes to launching, especially in the, in the supplements space, that's difficult. It takes some money and uh, mm-hmm. a, a good list or a lot of advertising or combination of the two. What, what's working for you guys when it comes to launching and, and getting reviews? Yeah, good question. Yeah, reviews is tough, honestly. I think, um, you know, what we've done, a big switch that we've focused on is is really getting better at product quality like right out of the gate and so our our process is a lot longer now than it used to be and so we're doing like kind of more like focus group taste testing if it's like a liquid um we just like really like whatever dot every i cross every t in terms of the products where in the past like especially when we're doing the home and kitchen brand our like kpi was we need to launch 15 products a month and so naturally, if you're trying to just hit that many targets, like you're not as focused on product quality. You're just really focused on placing orders, getting them shipped here, creating listings and, and letting them go live. And so I think now, you know, we're, yeah, again, really just making sure that the product will organically get re- good reviews. I think in certain categories, you can use vine which i think is really helpful to get that like initial like whatever 20 or 30 reviews over over time so then that can help um but i think besides that and like the automated uh rating requests like there's really nothing else that you can truthfully do that's not going to be like basically black hat uh and so but i think the important thing that we really try to do is again like really focus on product quality right up um, like right out of the gate and also just really differentiate the product. Uh, and so where, you know, before, like actually I was a huge proponent of just like me too products or these commoditized products that didn't really have as much differentiation, but now obviously it's just such a different space. Uh, it's way more competitive. A lot of really sophisticated DTC players have moved on um, to selling on Amazon because of like the iOS, um, iOS 14 update. And so it's just a way more saturated space. And so you just need a better, more differentiated today. And you, besides Amazon, aren't you lending your brain power to a few other groups? Like in there's an influencer marketing company or something. And uh, um, you also have, was it Marketplace Ops, which helps uh, a lot of uh, bigger brands uh, do stuff. Uh, you're involved in, other than just your own Amazon account and selling, uh, you're also involved uh, advising some other people too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Maven Reach is an affordable like influencer marketing agency that works with a lot of like direct consumer brands. Uh, my wife started that, and so I, I advise and just kind of help her, um, and just yeah, made it like some early introductions. But she runs that, so I'm I'm yeah more of an advisor, not a like active participant. And then and then yeah, I also co-founded Marketplace Ops. Uh, which is like, yeah, an Amazon strategy firm as well. Uh, That's been running a while though, right? Yeah, since 2019, maybe. Yeah, so we've had it for, yeah, what is that, four years? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, um, it's gone well. Yeah, we've, uh, I think, you know, at the time is interesting. Yeah, it was really hard to raise funds like for like a 
pure play Amazon e-commerce brand, right? Like, like Thrasio hadn't really like fully like announced like super huge at the time. And so there wasn't as many ways to get um, like lines of credit. And so I even remember like talking to like a bunch of lenders to get like Acevedo loans or like ABLs, uh, which is like the, the more traditional way of getting lending um, for a physical products brand. But because our inventory was an FBA, uh, they wouldn't like leverage, they wouldn't use that as part of the calculation in terms of how much collateral you have. And so we had very, very few options specifically for getting like bigger lines of credit, even though we were doing like, I don't know, 30, 35 million a year. And so, uh, basically my, uh, my plan was, okay, well, let's build an agency. Uh, it'll leverage a lot of our team. It'll help us improve our like operations and our process. And now we have all these external stakeholders naturally. Uh, but I think like the long-term vision is that it makes us, makes us self-financeable. And so basically if we have a, whatever, an extra 150K coming in in free cash flow coming from the agency, then, um, you know, we can, we can deploy that 150K towards launching new products and then we can you know, scale from whatever, 10 products a month to 15 products a month without an issue. Uh, a lot easier said than done. I will say, like, truthfully, building an agency is very, very challenging. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it worked out in the end. I think it ended up being uh, a great investment in terms of, like, time. But yeah, completely different business for sure. So if you were starting... If you someone came to you and said, hey, you know, that seller tradecraft that you had for a while, that was pretty good. You guys are really good teachers. Let, let's start that back up and uh, teach people uh, what they need to know now. What would be different now to a new person that's listening to this, that's just getting started in this game versus what you taught back then? How would oh, the approach wow. be different or the mindset be different? Or what would you, is it a matter of needing more money or more focused on branding? But you said you guys really don't focus that much on branding. Uh, or what would what would be different? You know, I think I I think the biggest thing, or I think you differentiate somehow, right? I, and I think you can differentiate through brand and like who you're targeting specifically. You can differentiate through your product, uh, and then at the time, truthfully, in back in 2018 when we launched that course. I don't think you really had to differentiate in any way. I think you just had to go after like a very small category where products were doing like five or 10 grand and you'd be able to do like pretty well uh, as long as it was like a pretty nascent category. I think now you do have to differentiate. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice is either really focusing on the segment, like the, the customer base or differentiate your product in a way that really actually makes sense, not like some like useless uh, innovation or change that no one cares about. Uh, and then, I mean, for sure, I would increase the uh, the capital requirement. Um, yeah, and I, I think one thing that I just want to note is, I think we've we have a lot of experience building companies, building brands, and I think we have a very intentional strategy of building brands later down the line. I don't know if that's actually great advice for the majority of your listeners, truthfully. Uh, and so I wanted to like throw that out there is that we have like a very specific game plan where we're trying to go to nine figures. Right. And we think this is the best plan. If your goal is to hit 
seven figures uh, or maybe even eight figures, then that might not be the same steps that you should follow. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, but I, I would say actually, to be fair, I wouldn't, I wouldn't start investing in brand until you're over at least 3 million in revenue personally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think 3 million is a good threshold where you can start looking at it, but up until then you should just be launching more products and just really focusing on the channel like Amazon and, and getting to that, whatever that is like 250 K a month in, in rev. So one of the things you've been doing since 2014 is you're working with partners. A lot of people do this on their own. They, they mm-hmm. have it going on their own. How important do you think it is? Uh, or, what, uh, or what are some of the challenges sometimes or the benefits of actually working with a partner? Oh man. I mean, there's so many benefits. I think, you know, over time, like you kind of find each other's like groove and, you naturally gravitate towards specific things. I mean, for us, like Nick and I had like pretty similar skill sets, truthfully. I think he had like maybe a little bit more experience with marketing. I had a little bit more experience with like building teams and sales. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, like we were both business guys. We were both new to e-commerce. And then just over time, you know, we kind of gravitated towards uh, certain things like I, I liked thinking more about the future a lot more, kind of building teams, thinking about who we needed to hire, like like a lot of that finance and product development. And then, you know, he enjoyed like a lot more of like kind of the operational side of, of Amazon, right? Like, uh, like the launching, like advertising, like the design and everything that's like super crucial to making a product successful on Amazon. And so I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it's hard to be a jack of all trades. I think there's a ton of examples off the top of my head, like of people that have built crazy nine-figure businesses as solo entrepreneurs. But I think there, it's it's more rare, right? I think it's it's uh, it's very very difficult to become a master at all those things, um, and and I think it's harder if you're doing it today versus like someone that started in whatever, 2014, 2015, like we did. Um, I think the, the challenges is, yeah, I mean, obviously you have to like learn how to communicate a lot better. You have to like, uh, obviously trust more. You have to like kind of, uh, hold each other accountable. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other like kind of unspoken challenges, but overall I think it's a lot more enjoyable. I think it's like, it's great when things are, good you have someone to celebrate with when things are bad you have someone to commiserate with um but but yeah i wouldn't trade it for anything like you said one of your skills is actually growing teams and stuff and that's something that's that a lot of uh sellers stumble on they they can get to that one million or maybe five million figure fairly easily you know if you if you have a a general concept of how to sell on amazon but it's taking it to that next level once you hit that 10 million 20 million 50 million 100 million it becomes a different animal. Mm-hmm. So how, what would be your advice to people that are growing right now that are, maybe they're, they're just on that rocket ship and on that, that curve up. What, what do they need to look out for? What, what's most important when it's setting up systems and SOPs and teams or what should they be really focused on to, to maintain that, uh, that, that growth to hopefully large eight or nine figures? Honestly, in my opinion, 
Like, yeah, I think, you know, getting to 3 million, I think you should just be hyper-focused on Amazon. That's just my opinion. You're not really investing in brand. I think that's like the early side of when you can start really investing in brand, thinking about whatever social media and, and all that kind of stuff. I think, but truthfully, getting to 10 is just like how well you prioritize, truthfully. Like how well can you uh, focus on introducing more great products to the, like, to your customer base and optimizing your existing, especially your best products to drive up sales over time to get you to 10 million. And I think you can do that with a really, really small team and, uh, and it won't be that crazy. I think as you start trying to go to like to 20 to 30, things like that. Um, yeah, you obviously need a bigger, better team. I think where a lot of people kind of, make mistakes yeah that i've seen is yeah again chasing too many like rabbits and they don't execute well maybe they, they focus on walmart and ebay and whatever mercado libre and all of those combined add up to like one or two percent of amazon because they're trying to diversify but like you said earlier it's like even if they all add up to let's say 10 percent of your business like which it would be a massive success is like is that really diversified because if something happens to amazon you're still losing 90 like you said and so that's not really a that's not really diversification in my opinion and then i think the next piece is that they hire people uh you know often people hire people in the philippines or in india and they are just so excited like the the salary is so much lower than like a u.s hire or a canadian hire for instance and they hire people that are underqualified and then they end up just doing the work themselves and they're like oh you know i'm not good at building teams and so they kind of write it off versus kind of like learning you know it's just like you know if a product failed the first time you're going to launch you hopefully you'll launch a second one and try to learn from that and so i think the, the same concept with hiring where right? you get better at it over time figure out who's a good employee, who's like actually like driven and can help take things off your plate. But I think as you, you know, as you scale, you put in stronger managers, you really invest in them, you keep them happy. And then they like really take care of your business. And I think that's like where things really uh, flourish. I think a lot of people will make arguments around, you know, you hire for skill or you hire for like, personality and aptitude and like you know i think obviously having to compromise on either one is not a good situation so i think you should hire for both truthfully uh but i think in certain situations there might be um there might be like a lack of management like you know amazon still do space so there's not as much talent out there right and in that situation like i would actually go against the, the popular advice and I would hire for management experience. And I mean, not when I say management experience, I'm not like saying like you're a player coach, you were like a team lead and you were still doing the job. I mean, like you're like a senior manager, you've managed like 10, 15 people, you were not doing execution work anymore, but you know how to like structure uh, like OKRs, you know how to set KPIs, you know how to fire people, you know how to like train people, you know how to like really do things because so many first time founders don't have that experience. And so they're kind of learning it on the fly. And so you want someone that can really like compliment you in those other areas. And I think that ends up being like one of the big changes that people don't want to hire people that are maybe more knowledgeable than them because like, you know, the kind of imposter syndrome or whatever. But I think that ends up being like the biggest 
limiting factor is just that you have a cap. And like, or in, when I mean that you, like, you know, any entrepreneur has a cap. And if you keep hiring worse people than you and training them, then they're not, they're going to be a percentage of you. And like, you know, maybe 50%, 60%. And, and I think if they're not, if you're not hiring people with like a diverse background, then your team is just kind of staying like flat. It's not really like improving. So you got to basically get out of your own way and set totally. your ego to set your ego to the side. And that's, that's, that's the key to hitting those higher milestones and that higher growth is pulling together a team. And they, like you said, they don't necessarily, some of the team doesn't need to have e-com experience. They need to have more people and management experience totally. and system systems experience and way beyond what you may have as an entrepreneur. They've been doing this, uh, for, for years and they, they may be older than you, you know, if you're young in this and, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, exactly. And, and I think a big issue too is uh, for a lot of people, like we said earlier, you're working on the business, not in it is actually letting go. Cause mm-hmm. when you're, when you're the entrepreneur that started it from zero and you invested your own $10,000 of life savings and you borrowed from your uncle and you got this whole thing going and you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, you know, and eating ramen noodles and sleeping on the couch for a while. It's hard to let that's your baby. And it's, it's hard to let that go and let other people, mess with it. And I think that's a big stumbling block a lot of entrepreneurs have in the space. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the letting go is, again, because you probably don't have good enough people or you have maybe trust issues, whatever, one of the two, I guess. But like, yeah, I think it just comes down to the quality of the people that are reporting to you truthfully. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, you're totally spot on. It's, you just kind of have to get out of the way sometimes and, um, and, and hire the right people. Awesome. Well, Fernando, I really appreciate you taking some time today to, to share your story and share some of your thoughts and everything. Uh, it's always great to talk to someone that's had great success like you and comes from the background that you came from um, to build up your companies. Um, it's awesome having you here, man. Thanks so much, Kevin. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been a, a long time. Yeah, I think it was one of the not necessarily super early guests, but with, with Manny back in, I don't know, probably 2017. So it's cool uh, to be here again. And now you here, here you are again. So yeah, we we'll have, have to look up that episode. If you want to hear uh, how Fernando was different back in 2017, <laughs> go go pull up that episode on the AM PM podcast archives, and you can probably hear a whole totally different uh, totally uh, totally different uh, story on, on that one. Uh, but yeah. it, that would be great to actually check that one out and then listen to this one and uh, you know see what might be in the future uh, for you as you sell. If people want to reach out to you or find out more uh, about you or some of the stuff you're doing, uh, how would they do that? Yeah, I post mostly on LinkedIn, so you can just add me. Um, yeah, Fernando Campos. Uh, or, if, yeah, if you have any specific questions or anything, I'm happy to try to help. You can just email me at fernando at marketplaceops.com. Um, yeah, I always try to get back to people. Awesome. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin. Great seeing you. I always say there's lots of different ways to make money selling on Amazon, and Fernando and his partners are pure evidence of that. They're not creating a a true brand. They may pivot to that, like you said, but it's not a true brand with an avatar. They're just looking for opportunities. That's how he sold his other two businesses, like he talked about, the home and kitchen. And that's what they're doing right now with their supplements company. So it's an interesting take on a slightly different way to actually build a business on Amazon than what most people are talking about right now. But nevertheless, He's super smart and is scaling this thing uh, like crazy. So uh, it's great having him on the episode. 
And my little nugget of advice this week that I'm going to end this episode with kind of falls in line with what Fernando was talking about uh, when he was talking about those the stumbling blocks that a lot of sellers have when they're trying to get to that eight or nine figure level. You know, you can't scale what, but you can scale who. You can't scale what, but you can scale who. Who you hire to take you to the next level is all the difference. Just like Fernando said, who you hire that can take you to the next level can make all the difference. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again next week.